0: All right you guys hear it all the time the typical if you like this episode please rate us subscribe to us leave a comment on itunes or spotify wherever well it really does make a difference for this podcast we're small we're trying to get bigger and all of this feeds the algorithm so that itunes or spotify or pandora wherever you find us at will rate us higher and higher with the more likes and comments that you guys leave and always if you guys find value in these episodes please leave us a comment on the episode or on the show uh, page and the best way to help us is to share it off so again thank you and we will talk to you soon on this episode of after the battle campfire i had like one of the best and most interesting conversations i talked with my friend anna carey who i met in 2018 at the team navy trials Anna is an Academy graduate, so we kind of go down that road for a little bit to understand what it means to go to the Naval Academy. And I got some insight that I didn't quite honestly know what happened there and how things happened. She served on the USS San Antonio and, and is a surface warfare officer on board a destroyer. Her career was cut short. Uh, due to an injury that caused a TBI, which is what caused me to meet her at the Teen Navy Trials sponsored by Navy Wounded Warrior. Anna excelled in her civilian life as a beauty pageant contestant. Something that most people think would be very superficial, but as she tells it, it's very healing and helps her expand her network. She goes on also into talking about being a spouse of an active duty Marine. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of after the battle campfire. (laughs) All right. So I'm back again with my friend, Anna Carey, who I met 2018.
1: Yes, I believe Mm -hmm. uh, 2018.
0: the team Navy trials. So I want to have her on because she has a great history from what I remember. You've done the Warrior Games twice, Medalist. Mm-hmm. list. Um, am I right to say you were an Academy graduate?
1: Yes, I was. Okay. Mm-hmm. So
0: uh, let's start at the beginning. Um, where were you? where did you grow up?
1: So I grew up a large part of my life in Miami, Florida, and then Uh, When my mom remarried, we moved up to Maryland. So yeah, Baltimore, Maryland. But um, I was in my, I guess, mid-teens when I moved up to Maryland. And I was not a happy teen, (laughs) having to make new friends.
0: (laughs) So at what point did you start thinking um, that you were going to go Look at an academy as a path forward.
1: Honestly, the academy was an accident. I know that sounds strange, but um, I have a huge uh, military background history within my family. And my grandfather fought in the Korean War. He was drafted from Puerto Rico. I'm first generation from Puerto Rico here in the States. My mom served in the army. So I say I served in the army too, (laughs) <laughs> because i she was pregnant with me <laughs> while she was while she was in so i got a taste of the army and the navy um and so the whole thing about serving started really within my own family and the the background and the history behind it but then also what contributed to it was when we moved up to maryland i did not know much about um, the academies. In fact, uh, it was when I was in high school, I received a pamphlet in the mail about a summer seminar from the Naval Academy. And I was like, oh, what is this? Because I mean, prior to my parents encouraged, oh, you should consider Air Force or maybe Army or Navy. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) You know, and um, when I signed up for the summer seminar program, I was surprised to be accepted. And when I intended, I was really impressed with the surroundings, um, the other kids, my age, I felt like I could relate to them. And then the whole concept of service, like we're, we're a very patriotic family.
0: Yeah, I can, yeah, totally understand that side of it. So did you, um, when you were Going to the summer seminar was that? What year of high school was that?
1: That was uh, between my junior and senior year.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Of high school, so it was the summer.
0: So I know from talking to other people that went to the academy, it's not. Well, grades in high school were probably the most important, but it was also extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. and you had to get a referral or recommendation from someone. Were you? the sports involved or anything Actu- like that?
1: Actually, no, I didn't. So I did have some, I, would, I wouldn't I say flaws, but I, I did have some things. I think that was missing looking back um, because I didn't get into the academy first time around. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. I was, I was number one in my high school class and uh, so I did well academically I was part of student government. I was part of the honor society and all that, but I didn't have the athletics. So, yeah. So when the Academy is looking at their candidates, they're looking at the well-rounded candidate. And so they have a background of athletics, leadership and academics and just great character overall, because when it comes to, applying to the Academy. I mean, that's what they're really looking for. But then also too, with recommendations, you do have to apply for a nomination with your congressmen and senators. And some have different ways of, of having, well, different ways to look at you basically like with interviews or writing up applications, essays. I mean, it varies place to place.
0: So did so you said you didn't get in the first time. So did you go to like a junior college or did you go to the prep school?
1: I went to the prep school in Newport, Rhode Island. So, fun fact: um, I actually got accepted to the Air Force prep school too. I didn't get into the Air Force Academy first time around, and so I've often been asked, like, why did you choose Navy over Air Force? I'm like, well, honestly, Navy picked me first, and I love being close to water, so. Um, and when we, in 2018, went to Colorado Springs, I was really, really excited because like I had never been to the Air Force Academy before. Uh And this was my chance to see, like, did I make the right decision? And, you know, deep down in my heart, I know I did.
0: Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I think I've, I think I've been to the Naval Academy when I was really young, but the, the Air Force Academy didn't feel like it had much history or any, it felt like a normal college when we were out there. Mm -hmm. It didn't jump out at me. Like some of the Ivy league schools or Mm -hmm. West point or Annapolis just stands out as such a, like it has so much history behind it.
1: Yes. I agree. I mean, it's still a great school and has a lot to offer, but it just wasn't my vibe.
0: Yeah, no, I totally understand that. So you, um, How was the leaving home to go to the prep school? What was that like?
1: (laughs) So, okay. I was used to traveling uh, alone uh, with my family. Um, I used to live in Puerto Rico during the summers with my grandmother. So I knew what that was like, but I didn't know what it was like with, you know, how they create a brand new family for you. So that was quite an adjustment. Uh, people were asking what, what bubble did you come from? <laughs> it was definitely a big culture shock, but um, it was a good experience.
0: So did you have to go through uh, MEPS and stuff like that? Like,
1: uh, mm-hmm. I had to go through MEPS I, I, and then I had to, I was enlisted as an E3 and, um, then we had to go through some indoctrination to, uh, at the prep school to get us ready and get us geared up.
0: So were you not considered a midshipman then? No. At the prep school? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So how was, how was showing up at that doorstep?
1: Which part? Mid, midshipman or?
0: or? No, no, no. At the prep school.
1: Oh, at the prep school. Um. It was definitely definitely eye opening, but I knew I wasn't alone in it. So it's interesting because I still have strong bonds with the people that I went to prep school with, um, and it's also interesting to see who made it and who didn't. You know, at the end of the day.
0: So, so you said that you were enlisted as an A3. It's A three a were you able to serve then that if you failed out of the prep school, you were sent out to the fleet as an enlisted sailor?
1: That's the hypothetical, yes. Oh, okay. That that's according to my contract.
0: Okay, dang. I didn't realize that that was a thing. So yeah. there there was an incentive to,
1: <laughs> to, <laughs> to pass it. To yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> two two completely different um tracks there. So did you do any history or research on the Navy once you committed to going to the academy or were you?
1: Actually, no, I was just like, this is it. This is me. This is what I'm meant to do. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into.
0: (laughs) So what year did you end up at the prep school?
1: Uh, I went there in, so I graduated high school in 2001. And so I went there the summer of 2001 and graduated in 2002.
0: Oh, so you were there for 9-11 then? Yes. At the prep school? At the prep school. So you joined in peacetime. No mm-hmm. idea that we were about to start a 20-plus year war. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, parents were probably like, okay, cool, you get a free education.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How did that conversation change after 9-11? Uh, after 9-11? After you
1: 9/11 you oh my gosh, yes. very very um, distinctly. And it was really hard for us too. Um, it was really hard for us. So when we were at the prep school, they call us midshipmen candidates, even though we have our different ranks, you know? Um, and it was difficult to see all of this happening. And we knew we were close, but they said, no, your job is to focus on school, and get ready for the academy. But we're like, but we could help with recovery efforts. But yes, I remember distinctly, like in the classroom, I was, I had a free period. And then I remember one of the professors coming out, oh my gosh, you know, one of the towers have been hit. And we were all bewildered. And then classes were canceled. Then everything was shut down. Epicondelta, <laughs> Delta, you know, how the rest is history.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I never even thought about what was going on at the academy or the prep schools or any of them at that period in time. Because, I mean, the academy is what, an hour or so from uh, D.C.?
1: I would say about, yes.
0: So, I mean, that same mentality of we can help the the Pentagon's been hit and they're probably in that same boat that you guys were like, can we do something? Mm Mm-hmm. So what was a what was an average day like at the prep school?
1: At the prep school? Uh so we would have morning formation and then go to breakfast and then we would attend our respective courses. Like it would be like almost a normal college but not quite. But with all the different military requirements.
0: So at the prep school are you doing like drill and ceremony, marching to class or or is it kind of more we, free?
1: Well, we we I remember doing drill and ceremony. We we practiced that. Oh, you might have a, a friend come over. I have a cat. So uh, that's
0: fine. my <laughs> that's cat's totally asleep fine. on a couch right next to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so she might make an appearance. And okay, so um, but I'm trying to remember if we actually did very much a drill during the year. I know we did it during our training and indoctrination, but I can't too much after the fact.
0: I, I guess what is the, where I was going with that was more of, were they prepping you for um, the stuff that was going to come at the academy on the military side?
1: Yes, they were. They did a really good job of it too.
0: So how long were you at the prep school then?
1: Uh, about 10 months.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's a basically a year to get you
1: mm-hmm.
0: spun up. So did you have a lot of fleet returnees guys who had been in on the enlisted side for a long time? And then. Yes.
1: They, they had, um, a lot of fleet returnees, part of the, um, prep school. And then they went to the academy that route.
0: So you show up as, are you showing up as a fleet then when you get to the academy or are you a second? Yes.
1: As a plebe, everybody does. It doesn't matter if you had your first year, second year of college, they'd make you start as a plebe.
0: So how was that experience?
1: (laughs) Oh my, um, that was uh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't a fitness buff, which is, like I said, my background was not very much in athletics. Um, so that was, that part of it was challenging for me and remembering things. I mean, there's so many different things to remember, but I mean, we all survived and I mean, we're here now.
0: (laughs) So was the, um, was there a, I cannot talk today. Was there a requirement for you guys to play a sport?
1: Uh, yes and no. So if you weren't doing a varsity sport, you would be doing an intramural sport of some
0: sort. So uh, varsity sport being like football, baseball?
1: Yeah, varsity sport, football, baseball, like d- the division one, oh, okay. um, track and field, cross country crew. And then the intramural sports could be, I mean, rugby and um some other different types of sports.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So, obviously, the the education, the academic side, is probably second to none. There.
1: It's very good.
0: So, as you're going through, um, I know I worked with some academy uh, midshipmen in 2005 at Camp Pendleton. They did their summer on board Pendleton. Mm-hmm. Um. At what point in time? Are you guys being asked or I don't even know if you are asked which service you're you're showing interest in? Because what I guess a lot of people who may not know is there's the naval academy is both for the Navy and for the Marine Corps. Or that is they correct. Go. Just like naval aviators are both uh Navy and Marine Corps. I know they hate that. I like to, <laughs> I like to pick on them about it. Mm-hmm.
1: It's okay. I'm married to a Marine, non-academy <laughs> grad, so we give each other a hard time.
0: But um, so he, at what point in time do you have to make that commitment between uh, Marine Corps or Navy? Or
1: Navy. So you have an option to choose at the beginning of your senior year. And oh, okay. you prioritize like your top three. Like let's say, for example, I wanted to be a pilot pilot would be number one. I would want to be an NFO, then maybe Marine pilot or whatever. And then the very last one. So you, it's, it goes in a particular order. And of course you have to meet certain requirements, uh, for being a pilot, you have to take an NFO. You have to take a placement exams. Um, also if you want to become a Marine, there are certain requirements in, during the summer that you have to do. Also Navy SEAL, you have to pass certain tests during the summer or during the year. And um, SWO, uh, well, I mean, I'm not sure what the requirements are now, but at least we had a strong foundation throughout our years at the Academy of practicing how to pilot
0: ships. So uh, NFO is Naval Flight Officer and SWO yes. is uh, Surface Warfare Officer. Yes. Basically you're gonna be, the end game would be to be in command of a ship. Yes. I'm assuming. So, um, your first summer, what did you end up doing?
1: I'm trying to remember. I believe I went on uh, the yard patrol boats.
0: I was oh, sure. the little yeah, the little
1: YPC. Yeah, I did summer school because I wanted to knock out some courses. I wanted to lighten my load. Um, so, and I lived close to home, anyways. Annapolis from Baltimore, it's not that far. And so, I did that. And then we did the YPs and then we went to Boston and um, I'm trying to remember some other places we might've gone to, but regardless, like we actually partook in, um, based off of our ranks, like the, the first class midshipmen or who just became seniors would end up being in charge of like piloting the actual the ship and piloting the watch team and watching them. And then we just all play different parts, you know, like the enlisted would on a ship, like the helmsman and, you know, um, right. all the different aspects of that.
0: Right on. That's kind of cool. So, uh, so did you know surface warfare was where you were going to end up? Like where you wanted to, or?
1: No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. It wasn't my first choice, but, um, I I wanted to be a naval flight officer or a pilot, and I don't think I, I, I placed as well. Um, and it was really competitive at the time. So, um, I ended up with surface warfare, but I'm grateful for it because it's actually something I love to do.
0: Yeah. I I remember having a few conversations with you. you, you seem to light up when you talk ships. Mm-hmm. Especially uh, that we, we it was, yeah, we met at Mayport. So yeah. that was the first time I'd actually been on a wet side of a Navy base in a very, very long time. And so people get it, like San Diego where you're at, uh, there's 32nd street and yes. it has a dry side where there's no ships and then a wet side where all the ships are. And I think mm-hmm. I think 32nd street was the last time I was, wasn't even stationed there, but last time I was near ships. And with Thirty Second Street, you really have no reason to go over to WetSide Side unless you're on board a ship. I
1: understand? So
0: it was it was nice, <laughs> but um, how how was uh how was it being so close to home, but being in such a regimented um, system for the school? I mean, like I you said, you're not far from home, but not like you're I, from at home.
1: <laughs> I actually didn't mind it. Um, I I felt like I needed the structure. (laughs) Ironically enough, I, I, I tried to get away from home as much as possible. Not that there was anything bad, but I I was very independent and I had a mindset that I'm going to make my own way one way or another. And I have to set the example, not just for myself, but for my family. So I, I had this, type of mentality. I need to become my own trailblazer.
0: Which makes total sense. So going into your second year. So actually, let me ask this question first. Does the prep school time count towards your final time at the academy? Or are you four years at the academy, regardless of your prep school time?
1: Uh, Four years at the academy, regardless of prep school time.
0: Okay. Okay. So going into your second year, um, as a what sophomore now? Are you considered, are you getting more leadership responsibility over like the new plebes that come in? Or is that not till like your third or fourth year?
1: No, you you start responsibility right away, uh, which is good. And that's something I loved about the academy. Uh, as a midshipman, you as you and it was gradual too. It wasn't immediate. And we also had leadership courses and ethics courses that we had to take throughout the year to help us problem solve different things that could have that have happened in the past within the fleet and just in life in general.
0: Okay. So did they um, were all the classes taught by professors and or officers or did you have some of these military classes that were run, say, by senior enlisted people?
1: Uh, I think they were mostly uh, professors and senior officers.
0: Okay. So you guys were exposed to a lot of uh, high-level thinking right off the bat. then. Mm-hmm. And then um, for your second uh, summer, did you try something new or did you stay with the uh, surface warfare?
1: I, I'm trying to remember. Um, so I did something slightly different. Um, it, I, I forgot what it's called now. I think it was, was it pro-trimid? It might be something different now, but um, where you spend one week with the different areas. So one week subs, one week um, with the Marines, and then I think one week with surface warfare.
0: Okay, because yeah, I think that's the, I think that's what the guys who came out to Pendleton did, because they were out there. There was like two different groups that came out for like a week at a time and they needed uh, Corman support, so Hmm yeah they were different there was two distinctly different groups it was probably the same thing that you're talking about how did you like the uh marine side
1: i was not a fan (laughs) it's marine corps not for me i mean i appreciate them they're their own different breed but it wasn't my thing
0: (laughs) you didn't like the outdoors and camping
1: (laughs) uh i love the outdoors i don't like camping outdoors (laughs)
0: So uh, out of all of those um different uh areas that you were trying out did you find anything that you that really drew you to it that you didn't expect it to?
1: Actually uh yes. So what's interesting is submarines for the first time and we were I feel like we were the guinea pigs with the women Women couldn't serve on submarines. And so they had us midshipmen go on the submarine and we stayed overnight and everything. And I actually loved it, but it wasn't an option. I mean, I could have gone nuclear surface warfare, but I mean, I didn't want that, you know. Uh, So becoming a submariner definitely drew me in with that week.
0: Did you guys actually go out to see on the subs or was it yes. or you guys? Oh, okay. Nice. We
1: did. And that was pretty neat.
0: Nice. Yeah. I, that something that, um, not a big fan of the whole being locked in in a pressure tube underwater.
1: <laughs> Have you ever climbed in a torpedo tube before? No. <laughs> it's not very comfortable. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, we, we, we got our friend Rich and Jules who, uh, spent their time underwater so they can do that. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I take it the third year as you're going through this is mm-hmm. probably, is the third year, the toughest year, and then kind of a little bit easier on you for your last year, just so you can academically finish off.
1: I'll be upfront with you. Um, it's, it's different for everybody, but for me, my second year was my hardest because I chose a major that probably did not work out well for me with all the different things that we were doing. We had so many different responsibilities as a midshipman. I mean, we had our academics, we had our military requirements, we had our sports. And then, you know, we also had um, professional development during weeknights and mandatory dinners and It was just a whole slew of things. So I was an ocean engineer and, um, I ended up switching my major at the end of my sophomore year, which is unheard of, but they let me do it. And I switched it to political science and they let me do it because I had validated so many, uh, semesters of a language. And I also had taken courses over the summer that could replace other courses so
0: it ended up working out. Oh, good, good. That just sounds like switching a major at something like an academy where you don't get a fifth or sixth year um, could be a real hard thing to do. Yeah. So, um, did, so you were saying professional development? I, I colloquially know it as uh, forks and knives type dinner where you're <laughs> <laughs> they're teaching you the etiquette of being an officer.
1: We've had etiquette courses too. I remember ballroom dancing. <laughs> and of course there's only so many girls and then there's all these guys, you know, so we had many passes.
0: <laughs> I mean, is that is that intended? I mean, cause let's face it, sailors, sailors are drunks who like to party. <laughs> I feel like that's more for the diplomatic reasons uh, that you guys that that you guys have to learn that.
1: I, I think it's definitely part of diplomacy, and then part of what's expected for an officer. Yeah.
0: So, you go into your fourth year; you can see mm-hmm. the commissioning coming. What is that year like, as far as from the military side getting you was
1: That was actually my favorite year, my uh, senior year. Um, I know usually you would think everything is stacked and becomes more difficult, but it wasn't like that for me. So I had done summer school every summer, basically, because I just want to knock courses out. So I ended up by my senior year, lightening my load to about 15 credits or 18 credits, which was awesome. And I was a varsity athlete too. I ran cross country for the academy and track and field. So I was very focused on that. And I had leadership positions too, but I don't know, I loved it. And I was so happy to see that light at the end of the tunnel. Like it was like, okay, we're at the home stretch, you know?
0: So um, talk to me about your Going from a non-athlete to now (laughs) varsity track and field and cross country. Okay. (laughs) So. uh, I did not expect to hear that.
1: Yes, that's what I'm saying, like non-athlete. So I started out as a freshman, as a coxswain for the Naval Academy, which you're still considered part of the D1 um, women's crew team and you're required to be like certain heights, weights, all that. And you basically lead charge of the direction of the boat and the paddles and where everybody goes. And then I switched over to rower. And so over the years I was getting, becoming more fit. And I decided literally one day I was like, you know what? I want to run. I want to, I want to join the cross country team, the track and field team. So I started running with, um, other girls from the team and I would join them in practices. And uh, it took me two times to make the cross country team. So second time I made it uh, and track and field, I I've made it as well. It was actually first time around um, because that was after my first round of trying for cross country. So I was fit enough at that point in time.
0: So until you brought up uh, these other sports, the only time that I was really considering um like traveling while you're at school would be something like the football team because that's what we see on tv Mm -hmm. um were you guys as traveled I guess as uh as like the football team as far Um, as for meets and for events
1: well not as traveled as the football team but we were definitely traveled I was gone frequently uh for different events And I found that uh, I performed better academically, even being away from school.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yes. And it was pretty neat because um, other members of the team, we all had our strengths and weaknesses, and we were able to help each other out with our schoolwork.
0: So as far as from the athletic side, um, there's not very many um, people I can think of who went on to a professional career right outside of the academy. I think there's one or two um, Mm -hmm. football players and um, I should know his name off the top, my David Robinson, because he's here in San Antonio uh, for the Spurs. But I feel like at most colleges, those athletes, those high profile athletes are treated in a different way. Was there any distinction between like the football players and just a normal midshipman? Did they get?
1: Well, I would say, this is a tough question because when it comes to sports, we know what brings in the most money is the football team. So they're going to get most of the amenities. So it was, I mean, I think there was an underlying current that maybe the football team might've gotten more preference than just a normal midshipman. And even with other sports.
0: But I mean, like, so because one of the things with the Academy is you get room inspections and Mm -hmm. like, I'm assuming that they were still held to that basic same standard.
1: Oh yes. Like they, they couldn't get it. They were still held to all the standards that we were held to for sure.
0: Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at, because it, it just seems like it, at other col- at other non-military colleges, you're, if you had to like, have a room inspection, they'd probably hire someone to clean it for you. <laughs> so, that
1: would have been nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, side note story, the where I was at Brook Army Medical Center, it got so bad with the Army that they actually brought in maids to clean the barracks rooms.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Wow. Yes uh yeah don't get me started on that one so (laughs) you um you're coming up on graduation Mm -hmm. and you can see like I said earlier you can see that light at the end of the tunnel you do your finals what happens after you get to that point to where it's like okay you're graduating this year um what's a prep like for graduation I mean because it's a huge deal
1: Yes we so we go through once our finals are done, we go through a series of uh, rehearsals. So we have to go through that and also to um, we go through talking once we uh, get our service selection we we kind of I remember we segue into our respective, areas with the respective senior officers with that service selection and they inform us what to prepare for. So that that was another piece of the puzzle that I might not have added earlier. So it adds another dimension, I guess, to help us prepare with going out to the fleet.
0: So is anyone ever um, that you're aware of ever not put in on their top three, say, they put in uh, surface warfare, undersea warfare, and um, naval flight officer, and then we're told you're going Marine Corps.
1: I've heard stories, but not anybody that I've known of.
0: Okay, okay. I was just kind of curious. I mean, it's they're doing their best to keep you within your top, your top three. They're not trying to surprise you at the last minute. I take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. No. <laughs> Thanks for the great education. Now you're going to go be a marine. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yay. No. Um, so, so how was, how was that day? I have to ask. Um, I'm assuming is there,
1: I was elated. It it was probably hands down. One of my happiest days in my life. I, I just, it was a lot of hard work to get to that point. A lot, a lot of, um, sweat and tears. Really. I mean, I've had, I've had other classmates, believe it or not tell me that I wouldn't make it. Oh, so, wow. yeah, there I've 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 experienced that um during my time there and ironically enough, they didn't graduate with me. So, it's just it was just one of those feelings like, "Ugh, sense of relief. I'm ready for my next part of my journey."
0: Yeah. So, did um like I said, your your family was there, I assume. Did mm-hmm. you did your mom give you your first salute?
1: Actually, no, it was my stepfather. He, he fought in uh, Vietnam. So. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. Nice.
0: So you are the first, I'm, a, I'm getting this right. The first in your family to go Navy and the first Academy graduate.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. That's correct.
0: So uh, here you are you're graduated, you're a brand new, shiny butter bar. <laughs> um, what, did it set into you at all that we were at war?
1: Yes, I knew we were at war, but at the same time, that's what I signed up to do. You know, I, I knew that anything was possible, anything could happen. And I knew I still had a lot to learn. So I knew the gravity of the responsibility I was going to take on. So I was, I was a bit scared. I'm not going to lie. But I remember (laughs) reporting to my ship in Norfolk, Virginia. It was the USS San Antonio. It was six months young. It had just gotten commissioned not that long ago. And I showed up and in my orders, it said I was supposed to be in operations. They're like, congratulations, you're going to be the auxiliaries officer. (laughs) And I was like, what's an auxiliaries officer?
0: (laughs) I was actually going to ask you the exact same question.
1: (laughs) So the auxiliaries officer, you're an engineer. And you deal with the hydraulics and the hotel services of a ship.
0: Did you say hotel services?
1: Yes. So you deal with the AC and the hot water and refrigeration and all that stuff.
0: Oh, okay. That that makes more sense. <laughs> I did not think they would call it hotel service. It totally makes sense. So what was it like uh, showing up at Norfolk?
1: Um, it was, I had family come with me and help me move. So it made it easier that way. But I felt like this was some brand new adventure that, I didn't know what what I was doing at first. And when I showed up, I remember later on, my guys told me, they're like, we thought you were 18 years old. You look so young. I'm like, no. They're they're like, are you old enough to drink? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, thanks, guys.
0: (laughs) So um, as a young, brand new ensign, are you... For the ship, are you quartered on base, or are, did they send you out in town right away?
1: Yes, we're we're out in town right away, and then of course we have our staterooms established too on the ship.
0: So I have to ask, um, did you did you board the ship correctly, ma'am? Your first time?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, you got a salute, you know the the, the ensign and then. I request permission to come aboard.
0: (laughs) I've I've heard a lot of stories about freshly minted, uh, butter bars that have not done that correctly. Oh no. (laughs) So, um, tell me about your first time underway.
1: I surprisingly did not get seasick, but I, I really enjoyed it. I, on the YPs, which was my really first, first, first time of going underway. I used to get seasick all the time. And then
0: those are tiny boats, right?
1: I know they're super tiny. They're super tiny, but I was really surprised that I didn't get seasick. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. I can, I can do this. I can do this, but I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, we did so many different operations Uh, because we were a brand new ship. I mean, we worked with the Marines, we worked with the Navy SEALs, we, we did so many different things that normal, I guess, normal brand new Butter Bars wouldn't experience their first tour.
0: I think, and I don't know if you were there, it was either 2000, early, late 2007, early 2008. I got sent up to the Bob, Bob Woodruff Foundation for their event in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I want to say the San Antonio was in port in New York city. Cause that they were using correct. And I remember we, we took a tour of it. We were there. So I may have said hi to you and not even realized. it.
1: Mm-hmm. Likewise. <laughs>
0: <sighs> That's crazy. So, um, you guys, I'm assuming you guys were up there for, was it for fleet week?
1: It was for nine 11.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And we were, and, and they were talking about at that time taking pieces from uh, the towers and putting it in the USS New York.
0: Right. Okay. I remember that. Yeah. That they were Mm -hmm. using some of the steel from the towers. Mm -hmm. So the San Antonio was the first in its class. It's a, I forgot what it is. It's like an LHA. LPD.
1: LPD. LPD. LPD.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, again, you have this running thing with being around Marines. So it's a gator freighter, uh, for lack of a better way. It's a marine transport ship. Mm-hmm. Did you guys do a lot of stuff with the marines in your first tour?
1: I did. I was actually responsible, and it was really cool for for the because we were testing with the USS San Antonio um, with AAVs and the marines. The what is it called? Uh, I don't remember the official word for it, but it was. It was literally, the ship was in motion and we were dropping AAVs. So,
0: Nice. So you were doing like, um oh God. Yeah, they were going out the well deck, right?
1: Yeah, they were going off the well deck, well deck operations, all that other stuff. But it was really neat to be responsible for, you know, being out in the water and then giving directions of where the AAVs to go and all that stuff. So it was more than just ship driving. You know, it was really knowing your stuff in the Marine, kind of like the amphib side and then knowing your Navy side. So it's where the two worlds combined.
0: So did um, that ship was enormous. Yes. I, obviously not a carrier or an LHT, no. but it was big. Um, again, just because you were a freshly minted butter bar, how many times did you get lost?
1: On the ship, oh, a lot of times. I mean, I many times. I I can't even count, to be honest. It took me a while to get used to it.
0: <laughs> I, I I know chiefs and senior chiefs who, when they go to new ships, still get lost. So nothing wrong with that. So did you guys do a uh, a float like? Um, I'm not an East Coast person, so I forgot what they're called. But like on the West Coast, so Westpac um like did you do a med float like into the did you go into the gulf
1: not with i didn't with the san antonio um i did with my second tour on a destroyer i was on a destroyer then but with the san antonio i actually ended up transferring out like four or five months before it went on deployment
0: oh okay so your time there, it sounds like that was really kind of what formed you, gave you your initial sea legs and taste.
1: I, and I loved it. I really did. I loved working with my guys. I loved engineering and I never knew I would love engineering. <laughs> and I had, you know, you, you remember how large that ship was. I think it's, I think it's 684 feet long. But, it's I mean I had eleven to thirteen people responsible for all of the hydraulic services. All the hydraulics, the and you know, those those things are super important with marine operations.
0: So you were dealing with like HTS and boatswains mates and mm-hmm. Okay. So you were deep in the in the bells of the ship. Mm-hmm. Different. A gang. <laughs> I was going to say that di- di- different than the, uh, different than the Anna I know.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of people who don't know that, but it's so, true.
0: So you leave there, what, 2006, seven?
1: Uh, t- actually 2008.
0: Okay. So you, you leave in 2008, um, and then you go to your second ship mm-hmm. or do you do a short
1: I go to my, I have to go through some training uh, to get me readied up for the combat systems for Aegis. So they send you to uh, Dahlgren and they send you to the appropriate track based off of the ship that you're going to, whether, which destroyer or which cruiser, which modification it has. And so you're in Dahlgren for a period of time. You have to pass that and then you're sent to your ship.
0: So you knew you were going to go into CIC then?
1: Uh, Well, that's what I thought. You know, um, I was originally supposed to be um, CIC actually for the San Antonio, and that didn't happen. So I knew anything was possible (laughs) going my second tour. Uh, I was slated to be a training officer, so I, I also had to be a training, go through training officer school. So I went through that in Norfolk, Virginia. Ironically enough, both tours were in Norfolk, Virginia.
0: Okay, that's not too bad. So mm-hmm. just didn't even have to move your house.
1: Yes, thankfully.
0: <laughs> so you went to a destroyer, which is
1: it was very a, small. <laughs> yeah, it was much smaller. And the technology was definitely way behind compared to the San Antonio. And so that was an adjustment. <laughs> you would laugh because um, on the San Antonio, you can have multiple nets at the same time and talking. And I remember looking at the IVX, you know, on the destroyer. I'm like, how do I use this?
0: <laughs> oh, you got to love old technology. So which destroyer was it?
1: It was a USS Donald Cook, DDG-75.
0: Okay. So did you guys go up north at all? Like up to the North Atlantic?
1: We went to, so I actually met up with the ship in Nova Scotia, Halifax.
0: Oh, okay. So you really did get to go up north. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes.
0: The reason why I'm asking is because there's always these great iconic pictures. And in fact, I just watched uh, Greyhound on uh, Apple TV with uh, Tom Hanks about the, about the convoys, operations that the destroyers did. And always looking at those iconic pictures, you see the waves crashing over the bow of the uh, destroyer. And you had mentioned something about being seasick on the small boats. How was that for you?
1: I actually did pretty well, except for one time we were in the Mediterranean and we were experiencing seas over 14 foot and up. That's when everybody was feeling like, oh, so.
0: (laughs) In the Mediterranean? Wow. I didn't think the Mediterranean got like big seas for some reason.
1: I believe it was the Mediterranean. I'm pretty sure it was because we're, we're coming close to leaving. Um, we are headed towards Portugal, but, um, we were going to stop at Portugal because of the bad seas.
0: So. Okay. So, um, how was that first cruise that you did?
1: Uh, the first one, you know what? I was really lucky to experience everything in my first cruise. Like, we've launched lots of different things. I mean, Tomahawks, SM2, like, that doesn't happen usually in somebody's tour. I got to experience like all the different weapon systems utilized on the ship. In addition to, I mean, the weapon systems, even though people make fun of amphibs, amphibs do have weapon systems. I, so I got to experience all of that during my tours, even though I only had one. One tour
0: deployed. Oh, okay, I get what you're saying. So, with the um, with the destroyer, I take it you guys go into the med. Did so? You guys went into the Persian Gulf
1: on that tour. Yes, we were Fifth Fleet, and we were we were originally just supposed to be uh, med deployed, but then they sent us out um, on our own. So we we're independent steaming hunting for Somali pirates, but we also, um, got involved, uh, hence, which I can't speak too much of, but hence the tomahawks. So, you know, with the operation enduring freedom and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So these weren't keeping it, how you were trying to say these weren't, uh, test fires. I take it.
1: No, (laughs) this was real.
0: Somebody was hurting on the other end. Yes. So how was that? I, I'm assuming you guys went full general quarters, the whole nine yards for that.
1: Uh, we went full force. We were, we were, it was actually because another ship got called and something, some mechanical failure happened with their engine. So we weren't originally expected to. And then we got called last minute and Petraeus was on the other line. <laughs> It was really cool. I mean, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, I shouldn't say um, that launching tomahawks is a great thing because I know somebody else is hurting on the other side, but I'm just grateful during my career I got to experience that.
0: No, I totally understand that. And let's face it. um, The people on the other side of those tomahawks probably weren't the best people in the world.
1: No, no. And And that's something else, you know, you have to process, especially being a sailor. It's, it's like, how do you deal with that? You know, like you, you've potentially affected who knows how many lives, you know, and how, how do you process that? Even though you, you don't, you're not physically there.
0: Like with your Marine husband who, he's an infantry officer, isn't he?
1: Actually, he's aviation maintenance.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, with the Marine side, you know, that's kind of their job. With the sailors, you're almost like a pilot in a way where you it's a detached mm-hmm. action. You're flying over something and you drop some bombs where they tell you to. And I can totally mm-hmm. understand that. Um, So were you a JG by now or were you a? Uh,
1: yes, I was a JG by now.
0: Okay, So I've, again, never been on board a ship, never been under general quarters, but what are you, what's that process like for you and for your junior sailors that you're in charge of?
1: I remember I was usually in a, <laughs> cause I had so much practice in the repair locker room <laughs> during my first tour. They had me. They had me there, my second tour. <laughs> so I was in a repair locker room. Um, so everybody was assigned their respective areas at, with practice with general quarters, but it was a bit different when we, from what I recall, because it's it was a whole whirlwind when we were along. I I I just remember, wow, waking up. The ship is because you get sensitive to the movement of the ship and like the engines have picked up what's going on. And then you realize and find out, Oh shoot, something big is going to happen. And then the rest is just like a domino effect.
0: (laughs) So did you get, did you know that it was to launch versus uh, we're going to general quarters because something bad's about to happen to us? Like, did you know the difference?
1: No. Um, so they didn't actually launch general quarters. It was like in the middle of the night, they, they kept everything super low key, but they made sure people were aware not to go out and all that. So, um, I, I just remember everything being like super quiet and I, I remember being, I was actually in combat when, seeing the, when you could feel the things launch, the tomahawks.
0: How, how was, uh, well, I guess combat doesn't have any windows. I was going to say, what was that experience like watching them go off?
1: We do have cameras.
0: Oh, that's right. You do.
1: Yeah. And, um, we, and you could feel the ship too, as it launches. So it was, we were cheering. We're like, yeah, (laughs) because Uh I mean, it's, it's one of those things like it it doesn't happen very often in, in a time of war, you know, you just never know. And we weren't expecting to be called, but of course you always have to be ready. So we were just really excited to do our part.
0: Nice. nice. See, that's always a good thing is having something that you can look back on and know that you were part of something bigger. Mm -hmm. So you get done with that. Uh, with that deployment, Um, you come back to Stateside. When did you meet your husband?
1: I actually met my husband in when I was going to department head school in 2013, is that correct? 2014,
0: 2014. Sorry, I have to look back. So, so, okay, I guess I kind of jumped. So you, you were on board the destroyer what from two thousand
1: eight to uh, two thousand eight to two thousand ten.
0: Okay, so what? Where'd you go after the destroyer?
1: Funny you ask. I was actually selected as an admissions counselor for the Naval Academy.
0: Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what does that entail? Uh,
1: there's a lot of different things. I mean, we had to undergo. Training, um, we have to re- be really well-versed. They really, you look into your record too before selecting you. Um, they look into your background and all that stuff to make sure you're the right fit for the academy to be an admissions counselor. So I didn't know at the time, I found out afterwards that I had to be vetted first. So um, it, it was quite interesting. I got to... Traveled to various states. I was responsible for the southeast, so that incorporated like Maryland, Florida, um, and multiple other states. And I we had so many different applicants; it was crazy.
0: Wow. So uh, I I'm going to make the broad stroke guess that that was only an option for people who actually went to the academy.
1: Uh, no, not necessarily.
0: Okay, because I would have figured they would probably be the best ones to sell the Academy.
1: They probably would.
0: Graduates. So you did that for a few years. Um, Mm -hmm. How badly were you missing C by the time you got done with that?
1: I I was missing it a lot. I mean, it was weird to come back to the Academy after not being there for so many years. (laughs) So I was having lots of deja vu moments. And I'm like, wait. I'm not a midshipman. I'm an officer now. Oh gosh. I have to salute, <laughs> you know, all the, <laughs> all the midshipmen. <laughs> so uh, at the time I was a lieutenant and, um, I, I was, I was really missing C.
0: So were you actually based out of the Academy then? Yes, I was. Oh, okay. So you were on campus and traveling.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Okay. See, I'm learning stuff here. So, um, you said, After that, then you, did you go back out to sea after that?
1: Well, I stayed there for three years. So I did various jobs for the academy. So I was responsible. um, So I was an admissions counselor at first, and then they switched me over to the summer seminar program, which is like full circle, right? (laughs) I was in charge of the summer seminar program and the summer STEM program. So during my time there, and then I got to, they, they moved us around so they could have that diversity, you know, and we wouldn't get, uh, not necessarily bored with our jobs, but to help us or expose us and to different things. And so then I was an admissions counselor again, by the time, um, I left.
0: So did you, uh, did you better the summer program?
1: Well, I don't know, because I didn't have anything to really compare to except for my experience. So uh, I had a lot of fun choosing the midshipmen and working with the midshipmen. And then, you know, it was hard trying to pick the applicants because there were so many wonderful kids out there. You know, not everybody gets the opportunity because it's quite the selection process also for summer seminar and summer STEM.
0: You know, I forgot to ask. uh, What's the, from what you saw, what was the attrition rate uh, for people who got admitted to the to Annapolis, compared to who graduated?
1: So I know my year. um, I think we graduated like one thousand seventy six, and we started with close to thirteen hundred.
0: Okay, so it's not it's not a horrible dropout rate no. there, there is. I didn't even realize that there was a thousand people graduating a year from the academy. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: But our, the women in our class, it was definitely way less than 18%. Oh. All of us girls knew each other. The guys are like, oh yeah, I know you. I'm like, who are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. well, I mean, it's it, like you said, less than 18%. So yeah. <laughs> so, um, I was just thinking, as you were saying, so at this point in time, it's what, 2012, 13? Yes. So are you, I'm trying to figure out how time and service counts for you guys. So are you, a, what, a 12-year sailor at this point in time?
1: Well, they don't count our time and service from the Academy to our overall time and service. So what counts is once we commission. Okay. So okay. At that time, by 2013, I was seven years in.
0: Okay. I, I was just curious because i uh, mm-hmm. try trying think how, like on the enlisted side, time and rate and time and grade uh, mm-hmm. means a lot. And I was thinking for the officer side, you got an extra four years on you just from the academy.
1: It's, it's strange because um, a lot of people mention because we're, it says we're active duty on our ID but it doesn't count towards overall years of service.
0: Okay. Okay. So at the end of the, uh, at the end of the Academy thing, you said that you went to department head school where you met your husband.
1: Yes, I did. I did. I went, we had to go through, so I was selected to be a chief engineer of a destroyer, which I was excited about because I loved my engineering experience on my first tour. And, um, So I had to go through Dahlgren again. They make you, everybody go through it to to refresh or learn new things. And that's a couple months long to three months, I believe. And then um, I went to Newport, Rhode Island to get started on all my courses.
0: So on a destroyer, um, the CEO is what, a lieutenant commander or commander? A commander. So... A chief engineer is a pretty high level, um, is a pretty high level spot on board a uh, ship like that, right? A pretty it's senior a big, spot.
1: It is a big responsibility. Um, usually, your time there, um, if you do well, you, you're looking at being selected for lieutenant commander.
0: So you're at division school, you meet this Marine.
1: yes i it yes i did meet this marine he was actually in school at the time that's why he was there
0: (laughs) so was this like a joint school then the or was he at a different school he was
1: at a different school like uh our story is it's pretty random and goofy um i was with my best gay friend And, uh, we saw my husband and we were, we were out for the evening at a bar with other friends and, you know, I'm not looking around, I'm just having fun with my friends and my best gay friend. And I see my husband, I'm like, Ooh, who's that? And he's dressed pretty Metro. So we couldn't tell which way, (laughs) which way. (laughs) So, I mean, It ended up working out in my favor.
0: You need to make sure to share this with all of your (laughs) husband's Marine Corps buddies.
1: (laughs) Oh boy, he's going to kill me. (laughs) But I mean, that was our opinion. And um, we then, he had to go to North Carolina the next day. Like we literally met um, for what, 16 hours and then he had to go back. And then we stayed in communication and Skyped for a few hours, like nearly every day. And um, three months later, we were married. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And so now we're at seven years.
0: How much physical contact did you guys had? For, not, not too yeah, much. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. But so um, in, in his defense, have you ever seen most junior Marine Corps officers in their quote unquote appropriate civilian attire?
1: yeah they, they were are all too tight <laughs>
0: pretty pretty metro.
1: yeah <laughs> It's true. Yeah. I don't think he realized it then.
0: <laughs> I mean you you can tell you can tell a boot lieutenant um pretty quick.
1: yes, i I did card him. I card him to make sure <laughs> he was an officer and he said he was a first lieutenant. I'm like, let me see your ID. <laughs> He was actually a second lieutenant.
0: Oh, lying to a senior officer.
1: Yeah, but I mean, a month later he was, he's like, but I'm promoting in a month. And I'm like, you lied to me.
0: Well, that's, that's, so that's kind of the funny thing that, um, we do so uniquely. We do the frocking. So you can really confuse people when you see, uh, cpoe 6 or, uh, Lieutenant JG01 on, on their mm-hmm. ID cards. Go to an army base and have them try to figure that one out. It gets
1: <laughs> I'm like, what are you?
0: <laughs> so um, what happens after Devo school or department head school?
1: Department So I actually um, got injured while I was in department head school. Um, that's where I, I had my traumatic brain injury. I don't go into how it happened or what exactly happened, but I do talk about how um, basically it's like a filing cabinet and somebody shakes it up and everything goes everywhere. So I've had um, some traumatic experiences too while I served when I was out in the fleet and I had compartmentalized all of that. And it was like Pandora's box. Like I had no control and my short-term memory was terrible. All of that. It it was, it was no fun going through that.
0: So that kind of brings us near to the timeframe that we eventually met. Um, Mm -hmm. Were you put in contact with Navy safe Harbor, wounded warrior, whatever they're calling themselves this month?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was not till much, much later. Um, I did not want to be part of the adaptive athlete program because I was like, well, I don't have a missing limb. I don't, I'm not blind, you know, so why does this apply to me? You know, I, and I know it sounds terrible to say, but I think it's even more relevant if you think about it with the invisible wounds or invisible illness because. There's a lot of things that appear to not seem as they are.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, you and I can both speak deeply to to that. Mm-hmm. Um. So, were you after you had your incident and your TBI? Were you already married at that point in time, or
1: uh, I? Well, no, not yet. And um, the thing is, I I told my husband, I'm like, are you sure you still you know, want to marry me? With and he's like, yes. So, which I mean, says a lot.
0: It does. It really does. So, did, were you, without going into detail, were you hospitalizing or were you kind of a walking? TBI?
1: I was a walking TBI. Um, I, I I don't think I was treated properly um, when I went, and when I finally got the appropriate treatment they evaluated me and they found that my processing was impaired and some other things, you know, and I had to go through brain training and all of that.
0: Yeah. I I remember uh, the testing, even when I went for my, from TDRL to PDRL, the Mm -hmm. what, so what was that? 2015, 16. It just they still haven't gotten it down yet as far as evaluating TBIs.
1: No, no. And I think, you know, with the, the hospital in Newport, the, the Navy medical is so small. So they didn't realize, I guess, how bad it was. Like I, I have chronic migraines to this day from that TBI. Like I didn't have migraines.
0: Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. So, um, did you, you, I live, uh, cannot talk.
1: It's okay. That's me all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> I,
0: I will assume you finished the department head school.
1: They didn't allow me to.
0: Okay. So they knew that there was something serious enough, but they weren't.
1: Yeah. I, knew- I actually finished the, the main portion and they didn't allow me to finish the engineering. I could have passed engineering, but. They didn't allow
0: me to. So what happened to you after that then, as far as the Navy was concerned?
1: They transferred me, which they rarely do, um, to Norfolk, Virginia from Newport and assigned me to an afloat, not afloat, um, a a command, a shore command. And I was working for Surface Forces Atlantic at that point.
0: Okay. So... Did they do that because I thought that you were going to be able to stay in and recover or.
1: It was a combination. It was that. And then my husband too was stationed in North Carolina. So they were trying to get us close together.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So how was he with the, with you during this whole time? Because obviously you guys sound like you were still separated in terms of distance.
1: Yeah. We, we made time for each other every weekend. Um, So we did what we could to make it work. And I, you know, I think about it today. and I'm just like, wow, how how did we do that? We just, we just, you know, went with the flow and tried not to get too focused on the future, you know, because there's only so many things that we could control. So we tried to control what we
0: could control. Right. So when did you end up getting hooked up with Safe Harbor then? As, it a, was, as a general thing.
1: It wasn't until to the end of 2016. And that's when I applied.
0: So were you going through treatment and the like while mm-hmm. you were in Norfolk? I was. So at some point, um, you went through the medical board process and the PEB. Mm-hmm. Well, this may be a hard question to to answer, but how was processing that for you in terms of this could be the end of my career?
1: I was mad. <laughs> I was mad because I I couldn't heal within their timeline. And I had a plan and I wasn't working the way that I wanted it. I was planning on doing 20 years. And then retiring, and this wasn't the way I wanted to go out. And not only that, it was my mind, the, my thought processes, my personality had changed too. So it was accepting this new person who I didn't know. I'm like, who is she? Like I knew the person in the past, and then comparing between the two, it, it was hard.
0: Oh, you go through all of that, and. You probably what spent? I'll guess at that point in time, probably a year going through that whole process.
1: Well, actually, um, with the men board process from two thousand sixteen, when they when they temporarily retired me, it act, it took them almost three years to permanently retire me.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right to do the the permanent. Um, with the safe harbor thing, were you reluctant to get into that? Once, once it was presented to you.
1: I was at first and I was really nervous. I remember getting accepted into the adaptive athlete program and I almost did not go the first round. I was so scared. I don't know why Um, my anxiety was through the roof. And I mean, at the time when I got out of the Navy, I barely left the house.
0: So the first year, so 17, you were already TDRL. Um, yes. Temporary Retired Disability List. Mm-hmm. So you're going in there as retired and a not active duty. Correct. So walk me through that. The Was it a camp or was it a tryout?
1: It It was a camp. And then I was then later again, invited for the tryouts.
0: Okay, so what was that first camp like for you?
1: We did, I'm trying to remember exactly what we did. (laughs) But all I do know was uh, at first I was really guarded uh, with everybody because I'm like, who are these people who know each other? (laughs) Because, you know, they're very warm and welcoming. And I was just like a closed book. I'm like, you know, not, not that there was anything wrong with them or anything it was just me and like I don't know how to act right now <laughs> you know um but they were very friendly uh I had a blast and it kind of opened me up a little bit slowly but surely like if you were to meet Fiona from the first time she went to navy camp adaptive athlete camp to now, you wouldn't recognize the same person.
0: Yeah. I feel, I feel like there's a lot of people out there that have gone to a camp and completely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the coaches? That you I thought
1: they they were wonderful. They're very open and um, encouraging and they don't let you give up easily. And they don't cut you slack either.
0: <laughs> no, they don't. No, they do not.
1: And I appreciated that.
0: So that year, um, 2017, we didn't have, uh, rowing wasn't part of that yet, which no. my first year, it became part of it um, the next year. So what sports were you really looking at trying out for?
1: I was definitely eyeing uh, track and fields. And swimming. And I think that's what I did uh, for Warrior Games. I believe that's all I did.
0: So you were dealing with uh, Jason and Coach Kyle,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who I've had, I don't know if you saw, I had Coach Kyle on and we talked for.
1: Um, really? Yeah, oh my goodness.
0: I'll send you the link. He, he's, oh, please do. He is such an impressive human being.
1: He is. I, I really, you know, he's hilarious too. And I really appreciate him.
0: So what was it like for you getting selected to the 2017 Warrior Games, especially since it was uh, being hosted by the Navy?
1: I was so excited. I was like, oh, my goodness, I have something to look forward to again. Not only was I selected, though, I was selected as one of the team captains.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. That was such a big deal. I'm like, oh my gosh, it was just such a huge honor.
0: So, at the tryouts, did you guys um, have foreign services come in like we did in 2018?
1: Mm, I don't think so. I don't remember though.
0: (laughs) So, I can tell you the thing that stood out the most for me at our games was the walkout, the opening ceremonies. How did you react to that as you? For the first games.
1: It was so surreal. It really was. I was like, oh my goodness, like this is happening. And I, I felt like it was pretty awesome. Not really just for me per se, but for the other wounded warriors who deserve that recognition, you know? Um, it was like, I don't know. I went out on stage and I kind of blacked out.
0: (laughs) Yep. So did you, um, did your husband go to those games?
1: He wasn't able to at the time. Uh, he had other duties. So, and and it was the same thing with, um, the 2018 games, but.
0: How about, uh, did you bring your parents?
1: Mm -mm. I didn't bring anyone for 2017. I was on my own.
0: So looking back, um, maybe this is a weird question, but graduation versus being involved in, um, something like the warrior games, did they compare?
1: No, they're different. It's a, it's a different thing. Um, I would say, I wouldn't say being selected for warrior games was one of the happiest days of my life. It's just one of my happy days and, okay. and just grateful days.
0: No, I completely get that. So, um, cut to 2018 and you and I meet for the trials in Mayport Mm -hmm. and we both made the team and we both ran track. We both did swimming. I did archery. I want to say, did you do cycling?
1: Yeah, I did cycling. Mm -hmm.
0: How was that experience for you?
1: I hadn't been on a bike (laughs) since I was 12,
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay.
1: So I was scared. (laughs) I'm like, how's this going to work? Oh, I'm going to be on the recumbent fight. I can do this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. I didn't realize you were on the recumbent. So you had a a little bit of that track that they had set up for you guys.
1: Yes. Yes, it was. I um, had a shoulder injury at the time. So I only had one functional arm so uh, and that's another reason why I ended up on the recumbent bike um, when we did Navy trials I they ended up teaching me how to launch an arrow with my mouth instead of you know in the arm so that was pretty cool too
0: did you do you didn't do archery though did you
1: no I didn't get selected like it for the archery team but that's okay
0: <laughs> uh, well did you try out for Invictus
1: I I did. I did. But unfortunately, I didn't get selected.
0: Well, there's still the, that opportunity. From what I understand, you can do your two Warrior games and then still be selected for Invictus years later.
1: We'll see. Fingers crossed.
0: So somewhere after getting out, um, and I'll make the assumption, because you said you were pretty reclusive after you got out. Mm-hmm. You got into something completely that I would, after hearing the last hour and 20 minutes worth of talking, I would never have thought that you did would do. But you got into the pageant scene.
1: Yes. Uh, so the doctors were like, Anna, you need to get out of the house. You need to do something. And so pageantry... Uh, I I always followed like Miss Universe, Miss USA growing up, but I was taught that it was superficial, but I still loved it. And I remember the the Miss Universe, I think it was 2015 with Steve Harvey, where he messed up with uh, Colombia and Philippines. And it made me wonder, I'm like, I wonder if there are Mrs. Pageants, you know? And I just glanced over and I'm like, oh, they do exist. So I didn't have the gall to do that until after our first Warrior Games because I I just didn't have that kind of confidence, you know? So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. This is going to force me to get out. It's going to force me to meet people. So there was that behind it. Oh. Oh, no, I lost sound. Oh, that was me. There we Oh,
0: What was that first step like?
1: Uh, I was scared. I, <laughs> I used that word multiple times during this talk. Uh, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I mean, the beauty pageant scene. You're talking to a girl who was a tomboy, you know, and then learning how to walk. There's a way you have to learn how to walk, you have to learn how to interview well, you have to learn how to put on your makeup, your hair, all these things, dress, there's so many different elements to it. It's like, the best way I could explain it to my mother was with walking, you know, like in gymnastics, there are certain things that judges look for. Right. Certain, uh, so that's what they're looking at when you're walking and the swim walk is different from, the gown walk is different from the runway walk. So you're looking at all those elements and then the whole person.
0: Oh, wow. That sounds Mm -hmm. crazy. So in your background, you had that, that fork and knife, uh, training from the Navy. (laughs) Did did that actually help at all?
1: Uh, No, (laughs) it did not. It did not help at all. Um, I, I actually had to, uh, I, I tried without a professional coach uh, my first time around and I, I did not even make um, the top eight. So I think I, I ranked at like 11 out of 13. I mean, it was my first try, but my second try, uh, I ended up in the top five.
0: So how does that work? Do you, Cause I know you hold some misses titles. Um mm-hmm. do you is it you show up to one and if you win, you get that title, or is it like a hierarchy, like a tiered?
1: It depends on the pageant system. So this is what's really confusing. Uh to those who may not be familiar with the pageant world, there's lots of different pageant systems and lots of different requirements per pageant system. And so the second pageant system that I did is very environmentally focused and they do accept at large titles, which means like you don't have to compete at state level to receive that title, but they do go through a selection process uh, in choosing you. And then you do pay an entry fee. Um, Then there's the other option where you can compete at a local pageant. And then it pays for your entry fee for your state, and if you win state, then it pays for your entry fee for nationals.
0: Oh wow! Okay, wow. So it's um, kind of all over the place, then.
1: It is. <laughs> it is.
0: So with um with that, how I'm trying, I'm still trying to bridge the gap between competitive Anna that I met, who's a runner and an athlete going to the beauty pageant thing. And like you said, obviously growing up as a tomboy, did you get any pushback from your husband or from family?
1: No, I mean, maybe a little bit from my, I mean, my parents, because I mean, I, at first, you know, when I told them I'm walking to New York fashion week, which is a big deal. You know, uh, not everybody gets to do that. And I got to do that for a major designer, gown designer. And she's like, oh, you know, that's superficial. And I'm just like, well, mama, this is an opportunity. I wanted to give it a try. I'm not, I mean, I'm here to build bonds. I'm not here to compete or anything. I just want the experience. And it's just like, something off my bucket list that I've done in my life, you know, that's very unexpected.
0: Nice. So um, cutting a little bit ahead, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's now 2020 and we're not talking or touching anyone or hanging out close. So how does all of that work?
1: Uh, So in pageantry or just in general?
0: Well, let's start with pageantry.
1: Okay, so I actually worked with one of my family members and we started a project mask, which was at the beginning of the whole COVID thing, at least in the United States in March. And we tried to make sure that nurses, doctors, basically first responders, uh, military personnel, and those in need um, who couldn't supply themselves uh, with masks, got masks. So we ended up supplying over 216,000 reusable masks. Oh, wow. So, yeah, like we, I, so I ended up being kind of like the logistical person, making sure things got where to where they need to be, or sometimes talking in between people. A lot of time I was the intermediary person.
0: Okay. So now are you doing like, are the pageants Zoom or?
1: Well, they, so some. (laughs) Well, some, okay. So some have done virtual, but what's interesting with my system, uh, they pushed back the Mrs. Pageant to Florida uh, in January, this past January. And we did our interviews virtually. And that was a different experience. Uh, because, you know, we're used to conducting interviews in person, but I actually rather enjoyed it because I'm like, well, that that's said and done, you know, and now we just show up to compete, you know, all you have to do is just have fun, dress up and walk on stage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what, what do you, what would, what would you say to some uh, young sailors, whether they're enlisted or officers who are female and are looking at this as an option? to try
1: to try. I, and, and believe it or not, um, I've been asked this question, how is pageantry and the military similar or different? I'm like, well, there's some similarities. There are some decorum that you have to have the leadership. You have to have community service. And there's also a certain walking style <laughs> you have to have an appearance. Like there's so many things that are, similar but just different you know there's these expectations um i say with pageantry if you really want to just explore something different and figure yourself out and just try new things give it a try once you know at least once and then decide whether it's for you or not i continue it because it helps me like grow my network i feel like i'm a part of something and i think when we get out we feel like we've lost that.
0: Definitely, definitely.
1: So, um, and we're like one big brotherhood, sisterhood. And so in pageantry, it's, it's, it's a sisterhood kind of thing. And so I've developed some new friendships that some of these girls are now my best friends, which is pretty neat.
0: Oh, nice, nice. So um, I'm gonna jump over to one other subject. Sure. And it didn't even hit me until probably about 20 minutes before we started talking. So you are a spouse to an active duty Marine. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm assuming that in the last five years or so, there's been some deployments and some Mm -hmm. uh, to places that may not be the best place in the world, even though he's not doing frontline stuff. Mm -hmm. Were you, you were, well, you were kind of active duty going through your medical issues. So as a, spouse who was also active duty do you feel like it helps that you know especially as your time on board the san antonio and you kind of see what marines did
1: Mm -hmm.
0: do you feel like it it was a better it was easier for you than say someone who was a complete civilian who married uh, a military member
1: I, I do think it makes it easier. Uh, I do have to ask him sometimes to explain <laughs> certain acronyms. I'm like, whoa, 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 I don't speak Marine speak, <laughs> break it down, please. <laughs> but um, yes, I, I do believe it, it makes it easier. And then, I mean, there's sometimes like every service does things differently. You're like, that doesn't make sense. But it is what it is, you just adapt and overcome and you just get used to that from your own experiences.
0: What, what do you, What would you tell some of your friends who are married to, to Marines who have no idea? Have you become kind of like the translator slash <laughs> ombudsman? I mean,
1: uh, no, not quite yet. I, I mean, honestly, since I've moved here um, to San Diego, we moved August of 2019. And then the pandemic hit, like I have not (laughs) ventured out. Yeah. I I thought you
0: moved in like early 2019.
1: Yeah, no. And then it's all good, but I haven't gotten the opportunity to really get to know uh, the other spouses. So, but I do, what advice I would give is definitely communication. I know sometimes on accident, I mean, it goes both ways. We forget to tell each other things, but I think if you keep the communication lines open, I think that will make all the difference.
0: Yeah, I I think that's probably a good thing for a lot of things, not just the marriage. Mm -hmm. Are you guys, um, is your husband's goal to do a full career? Yes. Okay. So you guys are there for what another two or three years? Yes. California, where you guys want to stay?
1: Uh, no, (laughs) no, I mean, not ultimately, um, we haven't decided yet where in the United States we would like to stay, but I'm, I'm along for the ride. I'm along for the adventure, which, I mean, it's a big part of it. So you have to have
0: fun. Was he always, well, no, you said he was in North Carolina. So he's bounced between East and West. Are you ready for the Okinawa tour?
1: I I keep telling him I want to go to Japan. (laughs) Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> nice.
0: I don't know. I'd be torn about Okinawa, uh,
1: okay. Yakuni.
0: Um, you know, mainland Japan probably. I just know that a lot of people say uh, Okinawa is a, a sweat hole. It's
1: Ooh.
0: always it's like North Carolina.
1: North Carolina. Okay. I guess I could. get used to it. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: I'm, I'm. I'm more of the I love the cold. Like I stayed in shorts this past week. It was seven degrees out and I was walking out in shorts. So
1: nice.
0: Yeah. So I would much rather be in the colder place than I spent, what did I spend? I spent like two months in Camp Lejeune in early summer and begged to get out of there. (laughs) So yeah. Um, But so how about the pandemic? Are you guys good? How have you guys been coping with it?
1: Um, We have been, I mean, it's been hard. Uh, I had been, I'm still a full-time student, but I had been used to being in class. And so online classes, switching to that has been difficult. I'm, I'm better in person. And then what I found too with teachers trying to adjust to the online portion who are used to being in person, giving more work. So to kind of like justify for not being in class. So I found that difficult. And um, I, I, I find it very challenging. I I can't wait uh, to the day that, you know, I could be in the classroom and I could be around other people, you know, just like many others probably feel, but it's, it's been hard.
0: Do you, See that happening anytime soon, in your opinion?
1: No. (laughs) No, I I feel like until the vaccinations, they try to reach whatever um, goal that is and the rules are always changing. So my expectation is pretty low.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you on that. So are you guys, um, how is San Diego though? I heard that San Diego and Orange County are a little bit more open than say LA. And
1: That's correct. It's, they are, but still it's just, I mean, r- running in a mask, you know, the thought of doing that. I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to move this. I apologize.
0: No problem.
1: Um. To give us some extra battery. Ah. But um, yes, there's just a lot of things still that aren't open uh, that we just miss. You know, we used to go to the park several days a week. I used to run at the park.
0: Are you talking about uh, Balboa Park?
1: Uh, no, actually, there's um, a park closer to us than Balboa and. I like to do laps, just run, and it, you get some good mileage in.
0: Yeah, the, the one big thing that's, uh, I guess, coincidental and weird is a lot of the schools shut down their outdoor tracks. Mm-hmm. Like the one that's a mile away from me, that, it's a nice track. I think it's a clay track. They're doing construction, so they kind of shut it down while construction has been going on on the campus, which is on the other side of the campus. But then when COVID hit, they locked the whole gates and the college that I was training someone at, they started kicking people off the track. And it's like, you guys, this is outdoors exercise. I don't understand what's going on.
1: Mm -hmm. But
0: um, Speaking of outdoor exercise and the like, has it affected your ability to get uh, medical care?
1: Uh, yes and no. Uh, so what I do appreciate is they've, the VA has transitioned with vir- virtual or video medical care, which I actually don't mind having trouble mm-hmm. <laughs> to the VA. I mean, not everybody loves going to the VA. I, I think most people don't. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> if, avoid it like the play.
1: Yeah. So if you can do it at home, then, you know, that's great. Um, I I do see like a chiropractor on the regular out of my own pocket, um, but I would say yes and no.
0: Yeah, I feel you on that. Well, I'm going to say thank you so much for doing this.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you it's for having me.
0: So good talking to you.
1: It's wonderful talking to you too. Uh,
0: tell your husband I said hello. I will. And uh, tell your cat I said hi.
1: I will. She'll appreciate it,
0: <laughs> yes. and my poor cat still sleep on the couch. She's, Anyways,
1: she's sleeping too. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what is it? Like nineteen hours a day cats sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Life is hard. Here. I know. It's so hard for cats. <laughs> Anyways, thanks again, Anna. And hopefully we'll see you at a camp or something somewhere along the line.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. I'm going to stop you. the recording. Where's it at? Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com. On Instagram, modernronin, On Twitter, at tommychase01. And you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it'd be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.